and welcome to Godcast, where we cast the light of God into a dark world. I'm Amy Myers, and I'm here to share words and discoveries of God that he shows to me as a way to bring light into your life and into any darkness you may be experiencing. Today we're going to talk about um, a way to observe God in your every day, and it's just listening to his voice or just noticing things or looking at things in a new and different way. Sometimes it takes practice, and sometimes we just have to be on the lookout. Today, I uh, the other day I was driving, and I was um, just pondering of different things and just driving home from running an errand, and it's, I felt a little nudge, and it just sort of pressed me to look at what was coming toward me um, on the roadway. And at first it looked like a bicycle and sort of a tandem bicycle where two people are on it. So one is in the front and one is in the back and then they both pedal. What happened was as it got closer, God really caused me to observe what was going on. I was at a stoplight and I saw that it was a man and his son and it was a different bicycle. It was just unique. The father was sitting in the back and he was the one pedaling, but up in front, it wasn't a pedaling situation. The individual child was probably around 12, 13, 14 years old, um, and he had a helmet on. They both had helmets on. They both had um, bicycling outfits or uh, just gear that you might see with the racers that ride for um, during bike races. And he was sitting in front, but he was sitting with his legs forward, and he wasn't pedaling. And it looked, as I watched them get closer, it's like God let it go into slow motion. So I could see that this wonderful um, older child was um, just sitting there, and he was unable to ride himself. He was unable to pedal, but he was just enjoying himself. He had a smile on his face. He had the same racing bicycle gear on the helmet and they were both just enjoying the day and the dad was guiding the bike through the traffic and the boy was in front just taking it all in and being guided by his father just out on a leisurely bicycle ride with the, just the two of them. And as soon as I saw it, God just caused my eyes to just take it in like a snapshot. And then I heard just slightly, just a sense in my spirit, and we've talked about this before, it's not the audible voice of God, but it's suddenly a sense or a thought of something that you know is from the Lord. And it, and the Lord just gave me a sense of the word compassion. So I saw that, and then the, the wonderful vision of these two on the bicycle just passed by, and I went home, and I just really wanted to contemplate it, Lord. And I thought, well, Lord, what did you mean by that? Couldn't you just tell me your heart about what you caused my eyes to see? Especially because the word compassion was attached to it. And I pondered the vision, and I pondered um, the image, not that the vision, the image of what I saw this boy and his father. And the word compassion, and as I looked up the word compassion, and I think we all know generally what this word means, but I love the part of definitions where it says tenderheartedness or a concern for others' struggles. God just caused me to see the compassion, but also the joy of what those two were experiencing, the father and the son. Now, for any of you who know people with uh, children who have physical disabilities or unable to um, function uh, with, without assistance and uh, children with special needs, I particularly have a child with special needs, not this particular type. It was, it's more medical. So I, I 
run into families who have these experiences. And sometimes life can be harder. And sometimes it can be a challenge just helping children with special needs, getting through the day. But in this moment, God let me see his compassion for this father and son. And it was just a beautiful picture of the father in heaven and how he looks upon us as his children. And as the man, as the human father was driving along, riding along, he's doing the bulk of the work. He sees what's ahead. He's guiding everything around and he's just brought them together. And we know coming up to this point, he probably had to carefully set his young son into the bicycle and get it positioned in such a way so that he would be safe. And then to get moving and going takes a lot of work to get a a child that's probably 12 to 14 years old in physical size. So it took a lot of effort, but he did it because he loves his son. He has compassion. He has a tenderness of heart for his son. And what he wanted to do is let his son enjoy his day. And he didn't put him behind him. He put his son in front. His son was in front getting to see everything as if he were riding and pedaling the bicycle himself. He was suited up with everything that needed to be worn to feel like he was being fully cycling with his father. And there was just such joy and peace that the father was giving him the blessing of the work that the father was doing and the son got to enjoy it with a fullness and equality of being together. And yet the father was taking great joy in guiding the son. So I go into all of this detail because I wanted you to see that sometimes the father is in the dailiness of life, like this human father was in the dailiness of life of giving a tender-hearted care for his son. But this human father was also in the joy and bringing joy and guiding his son to experience joy in his life with a father's care. And I just got a sense that the Lord was showing me that the Father God is very similar. Sometimes we're unable to power through. We're unable to guide ourselves through. We are unable to do all the things that are required to cause the bicycle to move forward in the figurative sense. But the Father in heaven is the one who can guide us safely through the journey. He can see what's ahead. He can let us experience the joy and the visual seeing of everything. But behind us is the Father just guiding us into safety and joy and part of the journey. I wanted to tie this into um, something that I felt like the Lord really showed me after this. And he was just giving me a sense that this fullness of love and this compassion that I saw in that just that one small moment. It was as if the Lord was saying to me that all of this love that you see is the love of the Father that is so full. The love of the Father God is full, for God is precious, and he also preciously loves you. See, the Father loves. He carries us with his love, and it is a giving love, and it is a joyful love. And that's what that snapshot of an image helped to guide me back to this relationship that our Father in Heaven has. But I wanted to take it a little bit further and go into see what does the Bible kind of guide us and show us some examples of this character of God. The one um, that came to mind was a time when Jesus fed these hungry crowds. And I know he's done this um, 5,000 
people in the crowd that he fed in a miraculous way. This is not that story, but it's kind of similar. But I love that it's recorded in the book of Matthew in this certain way. So first, Jesus is left some crowds and he goes and walks along the Sea of Galilee. And this is, um, he's walking on the Sea of Galilee and this is in the northern, northeastern part of Israel. And it's this in the Galilee region. And it's it's a lake and it's called today Kinnereth. And it's based, um, based on the description of the Matthew 15, it tells us that he left crowds and went along the Sea of Galilee. And he went up on, on a mountainside and sat down. So he's going and he's trying to get away from the crowds and just sitting there walking along in sort of a calmness, if you will. And, but then it won't be long until the crowds start to come. So the crowds start to come toward him. They bring the lame, they bring the blind, they bring the crippled, the mute, and lots of others. And this description in Matthew 15 says that he, they laid them at Jesus' feet. And then hear this part. And I hope it brings you encouragement. But then it says that Jesus healed them. See, all of these people were bringing all of their family members, their friends, their parents, their children, and they draw closer and closer to Jesus. And these are groups of beleaguered people caring for others, and they're traveling over to find Jesus. It's hope that brings them to Jesus. It's hope for their loved one who can't walk, they're lame or they're crippled, and so they carry them. And still others lovingly guide their family members or their friends who are blind. And many others press forward at every step. It's difficult. And there's a challenge. And so they come to where Jesus sits. And they put people at the feet of Jesus. And he heals them. One by one. And as one by one they are healed, this crowd that is gathered is still watching Jesus. He's causing the mute to no longer be mute, but they speak. And the crippled become healthy, and they begin to walk. And people start to see who once couldn't see. See, these crowds are now calling out, and they're giving glory to God and Israel. It says in the scripture, in the Bible verse, it says, and they praise the God of Israel. But then the days continue to pass. The Bible tells us that this goes on for days. So these days press forward in every single person. So the crowds are coming to him and being healed. And it's for three days. And it begins to reach a sunset. And Jesus does something. And he turns to his disciples. His disciples are just simply those people that were traveling with him and that were close to him. And sometimes we'll see them in the Bible um, as his specific disciples that he called the 12. But there were more and more that were following him regularly. So Jesus turns to them and he says, Jesus says, I have compassion for these people. They have already been with me, meaning Jesus, three days and have nothing to eat. See, Jesus is so, has so much compassion for them in this moment. He's saying they have nothing to eat. They've stayed with me, and I can feel them, and they are in need. He has compassion. He has that tenderheartedness, this concern for the struggle of other people who haven't eaten in three days. Then Jesus goes on to say, I do not want to send them away hungry, or they may collapse on the way home. 
So his disciples answer him again, similar to the another story in the Bible. They don't know what to do, and they don't have enough bread, and it's too remote of a place. And, and then Jesus just answers. He says, what do you have? He says specifically, how many loaves do you have? And the disciples said, we have seven, and they have a few small fish. So Jesus then organizes it in a beautiful way, and his compassion draws him to this place where he tells the crowd to sit down. So the thousands, he tells to sit down. He takes these seven loaves and the fish, and when he gives thanks, he lifts his hands to heaven, gives thanks to God the Father. He breaks the bread and gives it to the disciples. And then the disciples go and turn to the people, and all of these people who had come and sat for three days being healed one by one by one, seeing the compassion in the eyes of Jesus and then the power in his ability to heal them, one by one they are fed and they are satisfied. They all ate and were satisfied. And it's marked down that afterward there were seven baskets full of broken pieces left over. And the number who ate was 4,000 men and women and children also. So we see this miracle again. There's an abundance of joy after and all are filled and all are satisfied. But it stems from God's compassion for them. It starts with people injured and weary and tired and their bodies broken or unable to do the things that are meant to do. And he heals them because of his compassion. This is who God is. God has compassion in tying us back to the image that God drew me to say that he has compassion. He was showing us he has compassion. He wanted, he knows the struggles of this family, this human father and this human son. But God wanted us to see the compassion that the Father in heaven has for each one of us, that he still carries them and brings them to a place of joy and to experience life and a journey filled with joy. We can discover from this observation that Jesus has compassion and that God loves you with a tenderness and care. He healed and cared for those thousands. And like that human father that I saw, he also wants to guide our journey. But how do we get to this place? How do we do this? How do we get to this place that I'm describing? Does God heal every person's body that comes to him? Well, I wish I could say yes, but that's not what is happening in the world today. But we can ask God to pray for it. We can pray to God and ask him for it. But we can also ask him in our weariness and our tiredness that he could guide us and carry us with his love, that he would give us this joy, he would give us this compassion that he describes. But we can start small too. How do we get to this place of trustingness, of being in a trustful place like the, the younger boy that was sitting on the front of the bicycle? He just trusted his father completely. He took in the joy. He took in the visuals. And he let his father guide him. He didn't fight it or try to drive himself. So we can start in a place. We can ask God to show himself to us. And we can start looking for God in our day. Sort of like I saw this image that God wanted me to see because I heard this, I felt this nudge, and I paid attention. So for instance, say if we're not actively looking, we might miss things. So an example could be, say if I asked you today to count how many blue jays or cardinals that you could find in your day. So you may put that thought into your mind, and now, because you've put it there, you're thinking of blue jays or cardinals. In our area, we have a lot more cardinals. 
And now if I asked you to look for them, wouldn't you turn your eyes and start looking at the trees or start looking at areas where birds might be to see how many cardinals you see? It's just simply you deciding and putting in your mind and saying, okay, maybe I'll see them today. See, these cardinals are more common birds. Even blue jays are, are more common. And the birds are still there even if we don't see them. But when we turn our eyes to look at them, we might notice them. If we hadn't turned our eyes to look at them, the birds still do all the things that the birds are designed to do. They have an instinct to go and find food and to fly around and to do the things that birds do. And just because we don't notice them doesn't mean they're not there. It's sort of similar about God's activity. God doesn't change who he is just because we don't notice him. But we have opportunities to put that in our mind that we want to see where he is. And if we want to see where he is and we ask him to show himself, he will begin to show us where he is in our day and how he's working in our day. So for instance, maybe now we've turned our eyes to say, God, will you help me see you in my day? And perhaps those moments of unexpected positive interactions, we welcome it more and we say, wait a minute, maybe God did that today. And maybe you're at a grocery store and somebody's really kind to you. And then you go back to your car after you've checked out and put all your groceries in the car. And you could pause for a moment and say, wow, God, did you do that for me today? Were you trying to show me something today? And just start asking him and talking to him, just asking to let him see you, let you see him in your day. See, I know that we can try and we can see a little bit more of God in our day if we just turn to look to find God. And I say this not because it's a nice idea, but this is something that is true of God. And we see this pattern of God asking us to look for him in the scripture, in the Bible. You see, God works this way. He likes to show us who he is if we will just pursue him. Let's take a look at how God describes it in the Bible. Um, I'll do some Old Testament and New Testament because they're linked. Sometimes we'll find some Older Testament Bible verses that show us something about God that can carry into confirming it into the New Testament. New Testament is just simply after Jesus had walked the earth and it was recorded of the different how life in history changed after he came. So there's a man named Jeremiah. He is a prophet of God, which means he speaks what God tells him to speak speak to different um, kings or people, and mostly the people of Israel or different areas of the Middle East. So this prophet was Jeremiah. And in Jeremiah 33, he is just saying to Israel, um, this is what the Lord says, he who made the earth, the Lord who formed it and established it, established it, the Lord is his name. And God says, call to me, I will answer you and tell you great and unsearchable things you do not know. Now, this is something that Jeremiah was telling the Israelites on behalf of the Lord, but we can see that this is a characteristic of God that is true of him. One, God made the earth and he formed it and established it, and it is his name that is above all names. So that is true, and we see that through all throughout the Bible. So that is a characteristic of God that doesn't change. God also says to the Israelites, call to me and I will answer you and tell you great and unsearchable things you do not know. This is true of God. He says it frequently in the Bible. If we turn to him, call to him, pursue him, he will respond because that's how he is. That's who he is. 
See, let's tie this into the New Testament time period. How do we hear from God? If we call him, how do we know he'll answer us? Well, his characteristics are consistent. They don't change. In the book of John, in chapter 14, verse 26, it says, But the Advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, in Jesus' name, will teach you all things and remind you of everything I have said to you. Then in John 16, 13, Jesus is also talking again, and he says, When he, the Spirit of truth, truth, comes, he will guide you into all truth. See this pattern? God wants to teach us things. He wants us to hear what he has to say. He wants to guide us into all truth. And again, in the book of Luke, Jesus says that, he, that the Father in heaven will give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him. So God is saying he wants to be found. He wants to be heard. All we have to do is turn and look for him and call out to him. So this is this pattern or this idea that God has. This is how he works. This is his way. This is how he shows us the light of goodness in our dark days. He wants to show us what he's doing, what he's seeing, and what he has to say in his perspective. And when we see it, our days are lighter, not just in a warmth and a goodness, but our days are not as heavy when we're able to see who God is. And similar to what I was describing before about the human father and the human son, the human father was guiding. He was doing the bulk of the work and he was seeing what's ahead. And the son was just resting in the father's care and resting in the father's joy. See, God wants us to find rest with him. God wants us to find peace with him, encouragement with him. That's why he wants us to tell us things that are unsearchable. That's why he wants us to wants to guide us into all truth because when we know these things, our days move forward in a way that's just different. We're able to see things that are hard from God's perspective to lighten the weight of what it's trying to do. I've mentioned before that the darkness in this world is not of God, and the darkness is from the evil one. He wants to keep laying it on you, keep laying the darkness on you over and over and over again. And if God guides us into all truth, that means we can turn our eyes and see him in our day. We can begin to see what he's saying. We can begin to ask him what he's trying to show us, and we can begin to trust him. As we trust him, we see that he is goodness, he is light, he is love, he is joy. All of the things that God is, we begin to see more of it. And when we see more of God and who God is, we recognize that darkness does not belong to God and that we want no part of it. When darkness tries to come at us, we can stop it. We can push it back by saying, no, I know who God is. God carries me. God carries me forward. He guides me. He lets me see who you are. You can call a lie a lie and a bad thing a bad thing by saying, no, that's not good. That's not true. Because God is one of joy. He is one of love. He is one of compassion. And I know with every part of my walk with the Lord, as well as my experience with the Lord, he wants us to see him. I'm going to give you one last Bible uh, passage and kind of story, really, to help understand how God wants us to see him. And we can pray and ask him to show himself. This is a story in, it's 
The book is called Second Kings, and it's in chapter six. There's another man of God, and his name is Elisha. This is not Elijah. This is the one who followed Elijah, and this is Elisha. And Elisha had been giving secrets to Israel because God showed him how um, the king of Aram was trying to be at war, was at war with Israel. And every time that the king of Aram would try to come after Israel, they would get defeated because Elisha was telling the secrets of their plans because he could hear it because God let him hear the plans and would tell it to Israel. And so they would always get away and not get um, injured. So this So the king of Aram is so upset about this whole thing. He says, where is this guy, basically? And he says, and he's told where he is. So he sends horses and chariots and a huge, strong force to Israel. And they go by night. And at nighttime, they surround the city where Elisha is. And he's coming to kill him. He wants to get rid of this man of God who keeps telling Israel how to get away from the traps that that the Aram people have set. So in the morning... Elisha wakes up and the servant of God wakes up and he goes out early in the morning and there's an army with the horses and the chariots surrounding the city. But the servant of Elisha, who's there with him, says, oh no, my Lord, what shall we do? And the servant is just terrified. He's completely terrified. And the prophet Elisha says, don't be afraid. And he, I don't know how he could have been calm unless he could see something that the servant, the other man could not see. So Elisha says, those who are with us are more than those who are with them, them being the enemies. So here's the beautiful part that I want you to see and how we can pray these simple prayers. This is the simple prayer that Elisha prayed for the scared man who sees all of the evil that's against them, that has surrounded them and has come to kill them. Elisha prays, open his eyes, Lord, so that he may see. It's a simple prayer. We can simply pray, God, open my eyes so that I may see all that you have for me and all that you want me to see. See, in this passage, it tells them that the Lord opened the eyes of that man. And that man who was terrified, who was afraid of all the darkness that was surrounding him, sort of like how darkness can feel like it's surrounding us in our days, this man looked and saw that the hills full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. See, the hills were full of the horses and chariots of fires of God. God surrounded all of the armies that were coming to kill them, coming to take them away, coming to do them harm. He opened the eyes of the man so he could see what God was doing. So today, I pray that we can begin to ask God to show us that he's here, that he's here to help us, and that you can open our eyes so that we can see God in our day and how he is protecting us, how he is surrounding the enemy, and that he is fighting our battles for us, that he is giving his his goodness, his wisdom, and that all the truth that God wants to show us, that he will show us. I want you to begin to know that God is one of love and compassion and that he wants to guide us and that he wants to encourage us. So we can we can pray that God would open our eyes. We can pray that God would show himself to us and we can also start looking for God in our days. 
As we end our time together today, I want to pray for you, but I also hope you can be encouraged by the image of the human father and the human son. And may it remind you, as it did for me, that God loves you with a tenderness, a care, a knowingness of what's ahead. But he also has the ability to guide us away from danger and a way to protect us. So God, we just ask you to show us your love and compassion today. God, we just ask you to please show yourself to us and remind us to start looking for you in our day. God, we thank you that you want us to search you and you want to be found by us and you want to teach us truth and love and compassion and guide us into the way of freedom and protection and your loving care. God, I just pray for every person out there today. I ask that you would cause their eyes to be opened so that they could see you and all that you were doing for them in a new way, in a fresh way. God, I ask that your love and your compassion would be so clear to them. And God, please carry and guide us into the truth of who you are and how you are right here with us today. That you are not a God that's far off, but you are a God that is right here. God, let us call to you and we trust that you will answer us. God, we ask you to open our eyes so that we may see you and all that you are doing in our days. Thank you so much for joining me today on Godcast. I hope that you feel that the light of God is pressing into your life and pushing back any darkness. And I pray that God would just bless you with open eyes and beautiful moments where you see God in your day to day. Many blessings to you. 